Welcome to the Stranger Conversations podcast, where we explore the lives and lessons of those around us, hidden in plain sight. I'm your host, Tay Jones. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Stranger Conversations podcast. Today, we're talking to Lindsay Richter. Lindsay found mountain biking and used the sport to overcome struggles in her life. She became a professional in the sport, which led to her new passion, empowering women by getting them on the bike and teaching them the skills they need to hit the trails. Lindsay shared a lot with us on the show. She's very inspiring, open, and honest, and you're going to love this episode. Let's listen to some of the things Lindsay had to say during our conversation. Jumping into mountain bike racing uh, was, was that just sort of demonstrates my personality. It's a sport that really shows you what you're capable of and helps you see how strong you are. At one of the races, I actually met a pro mountain biker. He just said, what are you doing this summer? And I said, I need to get out of LA. It's eating me alive. I don't know what I'm doing there. Uh, So I traveled the country with him that whole summer. I ended up marrying him a year later, and we spent the next decade traversing the country. It opened my eyes to to the bike industry. But throughout my decade of traveling and promoting mountain biking for him, I noticed a real void in female mountain bikers. Something in me just said there's there's more for me out there than just working for someone else. I started racing pro just because I sort of outgrew the amateur categories as I got better. But I, I, I took it less and less seriously as I progressed because I was more and more interested in coaching. And I used racing kind of as a catalyst for really understanding the sport better so that I could be really articulate in coaching it. Mountain bikes, you know, they have this crazy way of teaching you what it feels like to face fear by learning what needs to happen to get through something. You have to look ahead and only allow thoughts that keep you moving forward, thoughts that serve you. Through this process of learning to teach and kind of regaining my self-esteem, I realized how much this sport relates to life, the sport related to life. It is a scary, dangerous, challenging sport that can change your life because it can show you what you're made of and help you find strength and power within. When women are learning with other women, it's a little less vulnerable. I'm gonna fall in front of you. I'm gonna mess up in front of you. We're all in this together. And I just think there is a sisterhood in, if she can do it, I can do it. There's a crazy camaraderie developed when you learn a sport like mountain biking in a group of women. It's just awesome to see these, you know, women who are struggling maybe with their body image, find how much they love this sport and then seeing how the sport and their commitment to the sport changes their bodies, gets them fit and in shape, while also gives them this crazy new lifestyle with a bunch of new friends to go do it with. I still have to work every day on battling depression and insecurities and anxiety. Um, and I, I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. And mountain biking has helped me see what I'm capable of, both on and off the bike. Life is like a sport. 
you're never going to get better at it if you don't practice and make a conscious effort to understand it better. Ego is the part of you that tells you you're not good enough. Being on my bike, the freedom, the peace and quiet, getting out in nature, riding with my friends, and doing things that scare me and show me that I'm strong and capable, uh, it got me through my divorce. It really did. You can be really afraid of something, but I think fear is worse than actually what could happen. If you fall, you're going to get, you're going to be celebrated, and you're going to have. Ten hands reaching down to pick you up. You know you're not alone in this. So I want women to see what it feels like to be lifted by other women and not put down. I really think women are stronger together. Now let's get on with the conversation. Hello. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Yes. Hey, it's uh, Tay with the Stranger Conversations podcast. How you doing? I good. How are you? Good. Hey, I know we've been trying to set up this call for a while, and we keep getting you know pushed back, uh, pushed it out a few times. But I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to talk. Yes, yes. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, well, we are up and recording on your episode of the show. Um, so yeah, we started out, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm putting my headphones in. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Um, Okay, a little bit about myself, huh? Yeah. Gosh, where to start? Well, I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon, in the rain. Um, (laughs) And let's see, I was an athlete my whole life, or well, my high school life. Okay. Uh, Then I went off to college and I lost my fitness. I wasn't an athlete anymore and I just didn't really know how to get my fitness back after college. And without sports and kind of losing my fitness, I I sort of lost my way and lost my my self-esteem and even my identity. Um, So I... uh, I was advertising in PR, uh, kind of jumped my jumped right into the working world and start, tried step aerobics and going to the gym and just couldn't find a way to feel inspired to get back in shape. Um, so I decided to try racing mountain bikes and I raced mountain bikes kind of before I even knew how to ride them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, let's see where did I go from there racing mountain bikes really opened up my eyes to a whole new lifestyle um, I learned so much about myself through mountain bikes and uh, not only did I get my fitness back but I gained a whole community of people and self-esteem and it showed me that I was strong and capable and I just fell in love with the sport and um Let's see. I, I had my dream job in advertising and I was only 25 years old. And wow. yeah, all of a sudden one day uh, they laid off our entire PR department and I was a little confused and lost. This was in like 2001 when the dot com boom crashed. Yeah. And after that, I decided to actually a, a coworker brought in an application that he saw on the internet. And this was 2001, mind you. So the internet was new. Yeah, brand new. It was brand new. Um, and he dropped off an application to the TV show Survivor. Yeah. And I decided I'd never seen it. 
and my friends encouraged me to give it a try. So we made a silly video of me riding my mountain bike to show that I was a mountain bike racer. And (laughs) I think it was about six weeks after sending in the audition tape, I went through a series of interviews in Los Angeles and they narrowed it down from 30,000 people to 2000 to 50 to 16. And next thing I know, I was on a plane to Africa to compete for a million dollars on Survivor on TV. <laughs> yeah. So you'd never even, you'd never even seen Survivor before until you applied. I had, I had not, I had not. I applied and then um, we went down to the local Hollywood video store and <laughs> rented season one on DVD before I took off so I could see what it was I was actually getting myself into. Yeah. Now it's season one. That was the one with the the naked guy all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, the, it the was. Old Navy SEAL and the naked guy. <laughs> and my parents were like, what are you getting yourself into? Yeah. And what season <laughs> did you, were you on Survivor? I was on season three. So, okay. So it was that, even the show, it was very brand new at the time. Yes, it was very brand new. So we were, I feel like the first five seasons, we were kind of guinea pigs for them. (laughs) Yeah. So is this something like a theme of your life? Do you just jump into things like this or is this, was this something new for you? You know, I've, you know, taking those risks. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of jumping into mountain bike racing, uh, was was that just sort of demonstrates my personality just always looking to try new things and not afraid to throw myself into something um i was definitely excited about the prospect of being on tv and what that could possibly do for my life yeah um so but i also went into it very naive and very blind yeah well what what did it do for your life anything Yes, it, well, I would like to say it was the best and the worst experience of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say one of the best because it was absolutely life changing to go on a show like that, that only, you know, a handful of people in this whole world will ever experience. Um, yeah. It was challenging and exciting and stressful, um, but it was actually the the airing of the show that became the worst experience of my life. I was pretty humiliated when I watched myself on TV and I saw the way they put the show together and the backlash of criticism from the public Um, talk show hosts when they would talk about the show after it would air each week would just rip me apart. Um, Okay. So not just about the show. I actually, I've never seen season three, so it wasn't just talking about the show. We were talking about you specifically. Yes. Yes. I got torn apart. I was definitely kind of the kind of dubbed as I wouldn't say the villain because I wasn't mean or outwardly strategic in Mm -hmm. any way. I was just highly emotional and you know, you're stripped of all your comforts. We didn't really know what we were getting into. Uh, season three was brutal because we were in Africa, in Kenya, with wow. no real water to bathe in at all because of the animals. We weren't allowed to go near water. Hmm. So we had to walk about, it seemed like forever, I would say it's probably a mile there and a mile back to get our water and put it in gourds. And we literally had to dig a hole through animal feces at these little springs that came up through the ground wow. and the water would be covered, just caked in mud. It was just like mud poo water. 
and we would have to go back, carry it all the way back to camp and boil it and then drink like hot, pooey water. <laughs> so so ba- basically what you're saying is any skeptics of the show, I mean, you guys were, you know, it's not it's not fake. I mean, you guys were out there. You're you're literally having to do this stuff just to get water for the day. Yes, yes. It, it's definitely not fixed. They want to make you very uncomfortable. They definitely want to see drama. They want to see people get pushed to their breaking point. Um, that's just kind of the way it works. Yeah. TV isn't good if everybody's getting along and having a great time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, how long were you on the, the season? Like what place did you get? I was voted off six okay so that was 18 days that was halfway okay so yes and in, in those shocked. yeah so in those six episodes uh you know people had seen enough of you that that they were bashing you on on tv oh yeah oh yeah i was you know i was the lucky one who made every preview of the next week's episode oh okay Lindsay from Survivor goes crazy and cries. A Lindsay cries about having a bellyache, even though my kidneys were failing. Wow. Um, yes, I was definitely a little bit of a drama queen. Yeah. So, like <laughs> on the show, you were sick. Yes, I did get sick. Okay. Um, hang on, I have to cough. Sorry, I'm choking hey, on okay. myself. Yeah. Um, Yes, I got sick. I was I got severely dehydrated and we were doing a challenge and overexerting ourselves and I nearly fainted in a pile of cow poop and Yeah, well <laughs> had you know. To be, <laughs> I had to go uh they had to put me in a van uh and put an IV in my arm for 4 hours to rehydrate me. My kidneys were going into failure. I was peeing blood. Jeez. I, I guess, got a little sick. Yeah, yes. drinking the poo water didn't the do you very water. well. <laughs> There's a lot of poo out there. I, you know, I think I'd probably choose dehydration over the poo water, to be honest. But right. maybe not at that level, that severity of it. Yeah, yeah so, it was nuts. Okay, so you had some things going on in the show, and, and it sounds like, you know, that was a struggle for you. I mean, what kind of struggles did that bring in your life? I mean, Survivor ends, right? And you were the sixth one voted off. I mean, you know, what... What did that do for you? How, you know, how did you cope with some of that stress? Yeah, I mean, they 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 pushed us into the spotlight pretty aggressively, and we went on all kinds of talk shows: Howard Stern, David Letterman, Regis and Kelly, Hollywood mm-hmm. Squares, you name it. We did the whole press tour in New York City, so that was very exciting. I was in an Eminem music video; that was probably one of the highlights of it all. Getting cast in Eminem's video and hanging out with Eminem and Dr. Dre all day. Well, that's pretty badass. Um, well, oh, yeah, I have we... to I have to stop you on that one. What was the <laughs> What was the video? It's another really shining moment in my life. Um, it is called Without Me. Okay. Feels so empty without me. This looks like a good <laughs> job for me. Yeah. And um, I am the one with another girl from Survivor standing on a log of shit in the toilet with Eminem playing a challenge. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are my these clips? Are really proud of me. Were these clips from the show or is this, were you, did you actually film this for the video? Oh, no, we were on set of the music video for 14 hours and we had to go stand on this log with Eminem <laughs> that was in a, just like a raised, you know, pool, like a 
a, a portable pool and there was a green screen behind us and yeah. we we just thought they were going to make it look like oh yeah we're just like on the amazon in some river on a log um but then when the video aired and i gathered all my friends and family to watch the premiere it was a log of shit in the toilet wow so <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, I can definitely see how this, you know, might have been such a great adventure for you, but then not so much after the fact. Well, and you asked how I coped. It was yeah. really, um, it really did a number on my self-esteem, just the, the public ridicule. And like I said, the internet was pretty fresh, so there was no social media. Uh, what was popular on the internet were chat rooms. So I would just, we all would go on these chat rooms and kind of just read what people were saying about us, but it was pretty cruel. Um, and I definitely went into a funk. I've always dealt with, uh, some low self-esteem and some mental health issues with depression when I was younger. And this sort of kicked it back into high gear and I was pretty humiliated. I was getting recognized in public a lot and people would just have no problem running up to me and saying, Oh my gosh, you're Lindsay from survivor. I hated you. Oh wow. And you're like, right on. Thank you. That's (laughs) great. Cause I wasn't acting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it was harsh, but I have to say what really got me through. And then I moved to LA. I'm from Portland, Oregon and moved to LA to audition. And I was just kind of flailing, but what I did have was my bike and I continued to race my bike. I found races around Los Angeles and that is what got me through was I would just go out and ride my bike. And like I said before, it's, it's a sport that really shows you what you're capable of and helps you see how strong you are and what kind of a person you are. You know, with my bike, it's easy to throw temper tantrums and get frustrated when I'm not doing well, or the sport is very challenging and, and can be very difficult. And it's a sport that really helped me realize that I, I'm strong enough that I'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like that was, you know, a good crutch for you and something to carry on with um definitely yes so you know actually when you signed up to be on the show i noticed that you had a uh an email associated with a business so i went to that website it sounds like you're still you're still involved heavily with mountain biking yes that is uh where my life shifted i at one of the races actually met a pro mountain biker who was a downhill racer i didn't even know that downhilling was a thing and he basically just said, what are you doing this summer? And I said, I need to get out of L.A. It's eating me alive. I don't know what I'm doing there. Uh, so I traveled the country with him that whole summer wow. and raced bikes and went to all these big races that he was a pro at. And I was just racing in the amateur categories. Um, but it opened my eyes to the to the bike industry, really, and to what goes on in the whole bike world. And. I ended up marrying him a year later, and we spent the next decade traversing the country every year in RVs and vans that exploded and had all <laughs> kinds of fun issues. And I learned van life in 2003 was our first year traversing the country in van life. So wow. I've been doing it nearly 20 years. Yeah. And we traversed the country promoting mountain bikes. I became his uh, pretty much his manager and started managing his career and getting him gigs and doing all the marketing and PR. And we created what was called the all ride tour. And we sponsored a kid's team and brought, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds with us um, about six years in 
and helped them get to races and showed them life experiences on the road and went through the trials and tribulations of racing and life with these kids and promoted mountain bike products. But throughout my decade of traveling and promoting mountain biking for him, I noticed a real void in female mountain bikers. At the, okay. at the races, there were lots, there were some women, not many, the men's categories were much bigger. Um, but I, I wasn't finding many women who just wanted to ride for fun. And I yeah. also wasn't getting any advice on how to be a better rider. Yeah. And so throughout the years, I started learning to ride a little better, but never from any of the pros. It would just be random people I'd meet here and there would shout something out like, oh, you should put your elbows out. You'll be more stable. And that just sparked this curiosity in me to seek more information about the method to the madness of this crazy sport. And I found a certificate, a teacher certification course up in Whistler. So in 2011, I went to Whistler and I took this certification course and I learned how to teach mountain biking and my mind was completely blown. Yeah. I, I realized that there's a way to explain things that I didn't understand. I learned so much more about the depth of the sport and how complex it is. And I immediately realized that this is what I have to do with my life. I have to help women get into mountain biking in a safe and welcoming way. And so I started Ladies All Ride. And ladies all ride really means ladies should all ride bikes because it will show women that they are strong and capable and make the world a better place. And that's what I've been doing for the last five years. Wow, I like it. So yeah. uh, just to go back with your, your husband, you, was he only racing or were you racing at that time too? And, and, or, or were you strictly just there to support his, his team and his efforts? Yeah, he was he was a pro and he was one of the best. And uh, he was also a free rider, which means he competed at doing tricks as well. Um, I still raced. I really got into trying new disciplines after I met him. I had raced cross country, which is more pedally. Um, and then I decided to try racing downhill so I could just throw myself into all the different disciplines and learn. Um, I started racing pro just because I sort of outgrew the amateur categories as I got better, but I, I, I took it less and less seriously as I progressed because I was more and more interested in coaching and I used racing kind of as a catalyst for really understanding the sport better so that I could be really articulate in coaching it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds like that was, you know, more of your passion in the sport was the the teaching aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. And more importantly, it, it saved my life. It's a sport that after Survivor, I felt a little lost. Like, what do I do now? I was just on TV. Do I just go back to work and just get a regular job? Yeah. Is something is something in me just said there's there's more for me out there than just working for someone else. And mountain bikes you know, they have this crazy way of teaching you what it feels like to face fear by learning what needs to happen to get through something like in mountain biking, you can't be thinking thoughts that are negative and debilitating. You can't stare at a rock in a rock garden and imagine what your face is going to look like if you hit that rock. That's not going <laughs> to, yeah. that's not going to help you, you know? Yeah. So you have to look ahead and only allow thoughts that keep you moving forward, thoughts that serve you. And through this process of learning to teach and kind of regaining my self-esteem, I realized how much this sports relates to life, the sport related to life, and how many women weren't 
they weren't being, it wasn't being addressed, you know, anything you saw in magazines or on TV that had mountain biking looked very extreme because that's what sold magazines was someone doing a huge Canyon gap, you know, where if they fell, they would die. And I felt very frustrated that women are probably pretty scared of the sport because of what's being marketed. So I set out on a mission to help promote the sport to women using the emotional component and how I was very clear about it is a scary, dangerous, challenging sport that can change your life because it can show you what you're made of and help you find strength and power within. Yeah, absolutely. So have you, have you had any instruction, you know, on, from, from males? And if you got any of that, you know, kind of what missed the mark, you know, why, you know, you know, why women, like, what is it about, uh, you know, wanting like women wanting to learn from other women, you know, why do you, why do you think that is a, is a big part of it? You know, you think it's more of a comfort level or is that kind of like just part of the sisterhood? I think it's kind of both. I think what, in my experience doing this, men and women are different learners and different teachers. Yeah, Um, for sure. If you've ever read the book, women are from Venus, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I mean, I feel like that reigns true with, with learning sports. Men tend to be, um, more kinesthetic learners. They want to just do it and feel it and experiment with it where women tend to want to understand it and really hear what needs to happen and, and develop an understanding and then try it. Uh, women I think need more details and women female coaches tend to give more details and it's a fine balance between saying enough to help them understand, but not saying too much to overwhelm them. Yeah. And in my experience, I've had, I've been taught by, I mean, one of both my certification courses were, were taught by men and they were awesome coaches. Um, but my husband who is now my ex-husband, that's a whole nother story of the hard time in life. Um, but he had been doing it for so long that he really didn't know how to put it into words. But once I learned to coach and started bringing these ideas back to him, then he would start to think, oh yeah, that, I guess that is what I'm doing. And then maybe this and maybe that. And it, it, it sparked conversation and thought. And then I just started asking pros constantly questions all the time. Like, well, what do you think you do in this situation? And what do you think you do in this situation? I just wanted as many people as I could get information from to tell me what they thought they were doing, especially the experts. Um, But back to the men and women thing, it's also an ego thing. It's, you know, we talk about it at our camps. There's no egos here. We're all on the same, same level. We're all here to just enjoy mountain biking and find a deeper meaning in the sport and learn skills to keep us safe. But it's also very hard to, and it's a very vulnerable thing to put yourself out there in front of people and try a sport that you might not be good at right away. It's very vulnerable. And a lot of people don't like being vulnerable. They like to stick to what they were good at and not try anything new. And so I feel like when women are learning with other women, it's a little less vulnerable, especially the way we structure our camps. We make a speech that, that we tell them we're all vulnerable. As a coach, I have to demonstrate things in front of you that I might not do perfectly. I'm going to fall in front of you. I'm going to mess up in front of you. We're all in this together. And I just think there is a sisterhood in if she can do it, I can do it. Because when you see a man who's just generally bigger and stronger, 
even if they're not bigger and stronger, there's just, there's just a difference in body types between men and women and men can muscle through some things that maybe not all women can. Mm -hmm. But when you see a woman do something with technique and with skill, I think it really opens their minds into believing they can do it. And that's a big part of mountain biking. You have to believe you can do it before you can try something that's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's we have a lot of sayings, lot and one of, of the things, sayings, yeah. yeah, one of the sayings is hesitation equals devastation, and that runs true in life as well. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, was this kind of your first instructor type role that you've had, or have you have you done this in any other previous jobs? Nope, never even considered yeah. being a teacher or a coach at anything. I'm actually really surprised that this is truly my calling and what I'm meant to do. And I had no idea until my late thirties. Yeah. So do you think that kind of being in that group of, you know, strong, like-minded women kind of empowers you as an instructor, you know, to teach them? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I've, I've always sort of struggled with women in college. I, I think why I lost my fitness was because I joined a sorority and I mm. didn't really know what I was doing. My whole family had done fraternities and sororities. It was just kind of what I thought I was supposed to do. And I absolutely did not fit in. I, this wild athlete inside of me was dormant and I did not know who I was. And I had a really hard time fitting in with women who wanted to shop and drink and party. It just wasn't my scene. And yeah. so I had a hard time trusting women for a lot of years. I just found that I would get into these relationships that I just didn't feel myself in. And when I started meeting mountain bike women, it's a, it's, it's kind of a different breed. It's, it's almost like we have this unspoken understanding that we do a sport that's kind of gnarly and that mm -hmm. we could get really hurt doing, but we do it anyway. And we all find the same, the same joys and the same accomplishments out of doing this sport. It's a sport that you really bond with people when you do it with them. And yeah. I found my community of rad women through this sport. And now that I travel the country teaching, I could say I probably have mountain biking friends in almost every state. That's awesome. It's awesome. And I love them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, as anything, you know, in life, business, all that stuff, you know, uh, you know, you kind of, you build those, those best bonds, you know, are forged when you do hard things together, you know, as a team. Yep. And I definitely think that, you know, being, you know, I'm actually, I, I, I have barely mountain biked in my entire life. You know, I'm, I'm a novice, uh, but I can imagine that doing what you do. I mean, that you build some very strong friendships out of that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's great. And you develop a level of trust too, because I mean, it, it's really a, another big reason I do this is because I want women to see what it feels like to be lifted by other women and not put down. I think a lot of women have had experiences either in the workplace or even school growing up that can greatly affect who they are moving forward in life. And I want women to really experience a, an environment where women are there to cheer you on, lift you up, and you're all in it together. It's yeah. a really special thing to feel supported by other women. And I really think women are stronger together. Yeah. And we, as far as instructing people, you know, you know, how, what part do you think passion plays in that as just, you know, being able to be a good instructor in, you know, any field? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I think when people walk away from our camps, they'll, 
I mean, I hear it because they, they give feedback on the coaches, but you know, yeah. nine times out of 10, that one of the first words out of their mouths, mouths is, wow, you're all so passionate. I mean, it's, it's something I deeply believe in. I've seen women of all shapes and sizes, all backgrounds, all walks of life come together, terrified about what they just got themselves into. And I literally see them transform like butterflies in a weekend they develop a, a little extra spring in their step. They're bonding with strangers they've never met before because they're all falling down together and giving each other a hand to get back up. They're all learning this challenging sport together. There's a crazy camaraderie developed when you learn a sport like mountain biking in a group of women. Yeah. And so this isn't just something for, you know, advanced techniques. You're taking people that have barely mountain biked as well, you know, kind of that qual crawl, walk, run method to get people into the sport from the very, you know, from the very beginning. Absolutely. Yep. We take That's beginners great. all the way to, to advanced and, you know, some of the, some of the most rewarding, experiences I've had are with women who are maybe struggling with their weight and really self-conscious about their weight. And they're looking for a life change because let's face it, just like I experienced going to the gym can be horrible. You, you're standing there with all these really fit people, maybe looking in the mirror at themselves and it's just uncomfortable. But mountain biking, it's it's really just you and your bike at the end of the day. You can share it with other people, but the experience is between you and your bike. Your teammates, you have to learn how to work your thoughts, how to think thoughts that serve you, how to be in control of your bike, how to find balance. It's this whole process of bonding with your bike while also, you know, bonding with other people. And it's just awesome to see these, you know, women who are struggling maybe with their body image, find how much they love this sport and then seeing how the sport and their commitment to the sport changes their bodies, gets them fit and in shape while also gives them this crazy new lifestyle with a bunch of new friends to go do it with. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, in times like this, you know, with the pandemic and everything's shut and it's hard for people to actually do stuff and stay in shape and get outside. Um, you know, I bet this is probably a pretty decent business model for you, you know, during a time like this, because, you know, you can, I don't know what the rules are like where you're at, but, you know, being able to still be together as that team, but you're, you know, it's really, you're on your own bike and you're separate. Is that, have you found that you've been able to keep moving forward during these times? Yeah. I mean, this last summer was a bit of a wash because, um, just the shutdowns, you know, yeah. we, we had planned to run everything in April and then everything got pushed to June and then June rolled around and things were still a little unstable. So we decided to keep pushing everything later. July rolled around, things were seeming to get under control. So we decided to run our first two camps in July. And this was at a place in Wyoming called Grand Targhee. And it was great. You know, we, the groups, when you're being taught, you know, there's a coach and an assistant coach and seven participants in each group. So oh. each group only has nine people. So we just, we did our due diligence <clears throat> to have signs everywhere. We had cones everywhere. So people knew what six feet apart looked like. We asked everyone to wear masks and we asked them to stay in their small groups all weekend and not convene with the whole group. And it worked. Nobody got sick. Everyone was really stoked. 
But then when we headed back to Bend, Oregon, mm-hmm. where is our home base is here in Bend, Oregon, yeah. our venue is a, a resort that allows us to come and run our camps at their resort because it's right next to all the trails. They actually shut us down oh, because really? our roster of participants who come to our camps come from all over the country. Gotcha. So even though we have a model that can keep people separate and outside and apart from each other, we were bringing people from all over the country into these mountain bike communities. And we decided we didn't want to be responsible for having someone travel from the East Coast to the West Coast and potentially bring COVID to one of those locations. So we ended up canceling all of our camps for the summer. We threw some smaller ones at home here in Oregon that, that went really well, but we weren't able to run our full blown camps and yeah. it's been a little depressing. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It seems like, I mean, this is a very big part of your life and your business. So it's gotta be really tough to kind of put pause on some of that. Yeah. And it just fills my cup to be out there inspiring women and seeing firsthand women making connections and us being a part of growing the community of female mountain bikers and seeing more women try the sport. Like there's just something about my summer. It's a hustle too. I I live in the van. I have a van with a trailer. I drive all the way across the country and back. Um, I'm, I'm always gone all summer. I come home for a few days and I'm gone for three weeks and I didn't have that. And it was honestly the first time since survivor, which was 2002, uh, almost 20 years that I've stayed in one spot for this long. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of traumatizing. I'm like, Whoa, here I am just with myself. <laughs> Where's the crowd? <laughs> <laughs> so do you, that was hard. so you live in a van full time or is it just for when you're traveling? Just for when I'm traveling, oh, okay. I do have a, a home in Oregon in Bend. Yeah. Um, but when I'm when the camps are in session all season, I'm I'm pretty much living in the van. Yeah. Yeah. For about for about five months, I'm in, I'm in the van pretty full time. That's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've been doing that almost twenty years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I lived in a travel trailer for a year and a half, and I I thought it was amazing. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was great. Did you? Yeah, I mean, Did you travel a... all over? You know, it was, I had a great place to park it. And so, you know, just life. I mean, I had to be around for certain things, but I did take, you know, a lot of trips and I loved it. Yeah. Little. Yeah. It's, it's so freeing. You can just go anywhere and pull over and there you're, you have your home. Yep. People would always offer their beds. Like I have a guest house. Come stay in my guest house. I'm like, you know, I have my <laughs> pillow, my comforter, my cozy bed. I'm good. Yeah. You know, I think I said on one of my previous episodes of the show, you know, I remember the day that I, you know, that I had bought something. I bought a couch and I remember having that panic attack of, Oh my God, like everything I own doesn't fit in my car anymore. Like I'm, I'm strapped down. What do I do? Yeah, totally. But I loved that feeling of having, you know, the trail. I mean, literally you could just, you know, put the, put the hitch on and, and drive away if, if you wanted to any, at any point. So I was, it, I love that free aspect of it. So that's pretty cool. You get to do that for five months. I love it. I love it. And like I said, I felt kind of lost without it this year. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, so in, in your business, you know, what's, what's like your leadership style in your business? You know, when people go through camps and, and then they're gone, right? The class is over, the camp is over. Do you, yes. do you stay in contact with them? Are you still like kind of empowering them as a mentor um, through, or is, or is the relationship kind of cut there or do you stay in contact with them? You know, we try and stay in touch. It's tough because we have about 70 women at each camp and as coaches, we only take seven women in each group and we're yeah. with those seven women the whole the whole weekend. So you really bond with your group through the weekend. And I know a lot of coaches 
do keep in touch with the women. Um, I, I also keep in touch, you know, if they reach out to me, I'm totally there for them. Yeah. I announce that I say, Hey, once you've taken the clinic from us, we're here for you. Email us questions, email us videos of something you're struggling with. We'll help you. Um, and then I kind of use my social media as a way to stay connected with people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my social media is very focused on just inspiring people through mountain biking and throwing in some videos of, of, of us, me usually riding some sort of technical part of trail. Um, I try to show really challenging moves on, on video and then explain it. Um, just so people getting into the sport or wanting to progress in the sport can use our social media as a place to go and learn something. And hopefully, I mean, it, the, the ideal uh, scenario is that they go to the social media and they get inspired to come take a clinic. I don't, I don't want to coach people online. Yeah. Um, but that's just sort of how I use the social media is to continue to connect with women and inspire them to get into mountain biking. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, you know, providing them some content there, kind of giving them something to think about and practice on their own and then have them progress, you know, further by taking a clinic. I think that's just great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, one of the reasons that kept pushing our interview back, you know, is because you were, uh, you know, if we couldn't record because you kept being involved in, you know, a lot of time consuming work trying to diversify the sport of mountain biking, you know, with more than just women. Uh, you know, what can you tell me about some of that work that you've been doing? Yes, we, uh, oh, dropping something, sorry. Yeah. We are part of a very white sport. Uh, that's just the only way to say it. Our sport is predominantly white people. Um, and I mean, when I first got into coaching, it was because I felt like it was all men. It was just men were mountain bikers and women weren't. And yeah. I really wanted to change that. And I've seen that change. I've seen I, the events that I've gone to for 15, 17 years have multiplied in the amount of women that attend. Um, but with that, there just aren't a lot of people of color in our sport. And we have had a scholarship program for the whole time, for the amount of time I've run this, this event, these events. And we've really tried to give those free spots away to people who, who need them and want them. But we also wanted to see more people of color be, feel welcomed into this sport. Mm -hmm. And this year in lieu of um, the George Floyd incident and just, just really being seeking more education about racism and about white supremacy, we realized that it, it takes it takes an effort. It takes effort and motivation from all sides to help diversify anything, right? And I just feel like maybe people of color weren't feeling welcomed into this white sport. And if you look at all the photos at our camps and there was there were if there were any women of color, there were probably, you know, three at the most in this group of a hundred women, mm -hmm. you know, with volunteers and coaches. We have about a hundred women at these events and wow. for years it's been sickening to me. Just like, how is this so white? Like, how can we diversify this and, and bring more people of color into this awesome sport so they can see the benefits that we see. And lately we've just been going through an education process. We started to raise money from sponsors to provide free spots for women of color 
And it doesn't mean they're not financially capable of coming. It's really just our way of saying, hey, give it a we shot. have spots available. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that you feel invited into this sport. We're a coaching business. So this is our way of giving you a free clinic, introducing you to a sport that has changed all of our lives that we love so much and hoping that it'll interest them enough to buy a bike and get into mountain biking and then pay it forward and get their friends into mountain biking. Um, with that, we've had to deal with a lot of education. And we had some women uh, who are diversity equity uh, instructors. And we just have been every Monday going through a training process to understand the sensitivity of it, how what language to use, and just how to be true allies in a way that inspires more people of color to try the sport that we all love. Yeah. You know, I think diversity of thought and experience is is always a good thing no matter what you know what it is so absolutely absolutely and it's not like the sport has ever been not welcoming I just think when you like as a woman when when I didn't see many women at these events I kind of felt alone like I was the only I was always the token female on these rides and Lo and behold, I would get left behind. But then when I started riding with other women, we would actually stop and work on a section of trail that we weren't comfortable with and learn how to get through it and practice it. But when I would ride with guys, that wouldn't happen. And so I feel like it's 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 similar. I know there I know that racial equity and gender equity are very different now because I'm learning this. But I feel like there is a similarity in that if you don't see yourself there, you're not going to be interested in doing it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's been it's been an, it's been a really interesting learning process. I'm actually pretty disgusted in our country and uh, what we have done in the past. I, I watched a lot of documentaries about our prison systems and slavery and just what kind of happened after slavery ended, how it really didn't end. I just think this has been a really positive thing for people who aren't of color to wake up to what history has done and how much damage we've caused people who don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're trying to make a good change there. Yeah. I never thought of myself as being uh, inspiration or someone who was confident enough to lead change. Um, but I found my way through mountain biking. It's it's given me a voice and a platform to speak from. And I'm proud of that platform because it's a it's a sport and a and a movement that I really believe in. Yeah. You know, a few things you've talked about you know, ever since you, you know, kind of jumped into, you know, the sport of mountain biking, find your fitness, jumping into Survivor, you know, it definitely seems, you know, meeting a guy and just jumping in and traveling the the country with them, you know, it seems like, you know, through the mountain biking, like you said, you've definitely found a way to kind of jump in and, you know, take charge of your life. I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I want that for more women because I, I wasn't always confident. I wasn't always secure with myself. I mean, I'm still not. I still have a therapist. I still have to work every day on battling depression and insecurities and anxiety. Um, and I, I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. And mountain biking has helped me see what I'm capable of both on and off the bike. Yeah. And that's really where my passion lies is I I don't believe I'm alone in having some mental health issues I have to deal with and self-esteem issues. And I want more women to see that 
not only does this lifestyle and this and a great community of women within this lifestyle exist, but that change is possible and mountain biking can be a real catalyst for growth and change in people's lives. And I want that for people. I know I felt stuck. I know that I felt like aspects of my personality were unfixable, like I was broken. Um, I've dealt with some trauma that I felt broke me and it's kind of like mountain biking. I have fallen and gotten hurt and then I'm, I'm repaired. I repair myself and I work hard at repairing myself. And it's just really taught me that life is like a sport. You're never going to get better at it if you don't practice and make a conscious effort to understand it better. And so by using mountain biking as that tool for understanding yourself better, I hope more women will see that it doesn't have to be a scary sport. It can actually be a life-changing activity. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely don't think you're alone with, you know, struggling with some of those, you know, things in your life. And I think especially, you know, nowadays with social media, I think it's probably more common, in, you know, even for women, young women to to feel some of those self-esteem issues. But I, you know, it is really important that people talk about it. a lot of people bury that. So I think it's great, you know, that you're very open and honest about, you know, some of the struggles you've had and, you know, and about what you're trying to do to change it. You know, sometimes people just need to hear it, even if they're not ready to talk about it themselves, you know, part of that healing process is listening to other people, you know, knowing that they're not alone, even if they don't want to admit it yet. Yeah, it's it's funny because as much as I want to say I hate social media because I think it's a really it can be so negative especially for the younger generation the the like ooh the way you can compare yourself mm -hmm. and start feeling not good enough or fear of missing out just there's a lot of negative things that can come from social media I'm lucky enough that at 46 years old I don't get caught up too much in that because I'm using it as a platform to be real and honest. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to reach women and mountain bikers. I'm not trying to be popular on the internet. I'm trying to really create change and make a difference. And I realize that if I'm asking people to come to my clinics and put themselves in a vulnerable position, that I better also show them that I am no stranger to putting myself in a vulnerable position. So a lot of my social media posts, I have these themes. One of them is Motivation Monday, which a million people have, but mine definitely relate mountain biking to life. And I talk about shame and embarrassment and the things I've gone through. And I don't really give advice per se. I just tell stories of what I've gone through and how I've gotten through it and how I relate it to mountain biking. Therefore, I feel like more people are going to trust us that we're good, passionate coaches because of our ability to be real and vulnerable and not intimidating. I mean, the sport's intimidating enough. I don't want people coming to our camps thinking that we're a bunch of badass mountain bikers who have right. big egos and they're going to go huck our meat off these big jumps and show off. You yeah. know, we're not like that. We're a bunch of humble women. Most of us are in our forties who just want to see women inspired by this sport. Yeah. You know, being real, people pick up on that very easily. And it's yes. very easy to see, you know, even on social media, you know, today's world, everything's, you know, abs and breasts, you know, ah, it's crazy. But, but I think when people do show that the realness of them, you know, they kind of overcome all of that. And I think probably most people, you know, they probably, those are probably some of your most popular posts, you know, when you're being real with people. 
totally, totally. Mm -hmm. They're, they're frightening for me because it is vulnerable. And, you know, there's, that's where I get into trouble is if I put something really emotional up and then I feel like I didn't get enough likes. That's why I have to be careful and not judging myself based on likes and interactions. And that's, I think what is most damaging about social media, especially someone in my position who we have sponsors and we represent these brands. And part of that means they look at our social media and they see how many people are watching us. Mm -hmm. And there is pressure to perform online. And I'm pretty clear with a lot of my sponsors. I'm lucky in that I've been doing this for so long, but I've developed really great relationships with companies. So I'm not just some influencer that they see online. They, They truly know me. And I'm really clear about I don't want my life run yeah. by social media. I don't want to be judged by my social media. But I mean, that's part of the reason I'm still in therapy, because I still get sucked in and think, oh, I didn't get enough likes. Nobody likes yeah. me. I'm going to get dropped by all my sponsors. <laughs> and I find myself going down that spiral of comparison and feeling like I'm not enough. And then I have to really step back and go, this is all happening to me right now because of social media. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to go down that road. That is not who I want to be. Yeah. Well, well, that's good. At least you have some, you know, good sponsors, uh, you know, re- sponsorship relationships there. That That's yes. not all what it's about. Um, you know, what do you see most people struggle with? People that come to your clinics, your camps, um, you know, what is it? Is it like skill wise? You know, is it when they first pick up the sport, you know, is it scared to go fast? Is it just taking risks in general? Is there like a common theme of kind of what people are, you know, most apprehensive about? Oh, we are mountain bike skills coaches. We are therapists. We are (laughs) cheerleaders. We are hug machines. We, I mean, it's a whole gamut. I feel like I've seen it all. People struggle. Most of the time it's ego. And I think a lot of people don't understand what what it means to be run by ego. And we address this. I say to everyone in the beginning of my camps, ego is the part of you that tells you you're not good enough, that gets embarrassed when you mess up, that doesn't feel like you can keep up and you aren't fast enough. And we don't want your egos to get in the way here. Um, But when I do see women struggle physically and trying to learn something, I notice that it really is attached to ego and emotion because they feel bad about themselves that they're not getting it. Um, So it is a combination of if they struggle physically, then they automatically struggle emotionally. Mm -hmm. So as coaches, we train our coaches to be very aware of what each of their seven participants needs from them. Some women need a little more tough love, like you've got this, you fucking got this, you know, and other women need a gentle touch. Like you got to believe in yourself. Just these are the things you need to do. Um, So it's definitely a combination of physical frustration and mental frustration. And, we start our camps with a welcome circle. Each group sits down and, and every person gets to go through for about five minutes and tell a little story about themselves, why they got into mountain biking and what it does for their lives. And all the coaches started out. And so they get to hear us be a little vulnerable. I mentioned that I went through a divorce after 15 years and it was a, I was married to an awesome dude who was raised by meth heads and his, uh, 
his idea of treating uh, women, uh, I, I don't know how to say this, he was, and we both, and it was a situation for many years, and it was very scary to get out of. Um, I was scared, he was scared, there was control issues with him thinking when you're married, you own someone. Um, so I bring that up and tell people that really what got me through that and showed me that I'm going to be okay on my own is my mountain bike, being on my bike, the freedom, the peace and quiet, getting out in nature, riding with my friends and doing things that scare me and show me that I'm strong and capable. Uh, it got me through my divorce. It really yeah. did. And so when the women share their stories, a lot of times there's some tears because they're, they're realizing something inside them really needs this. They need a change. They need a shift and they need a different way of looking at themselves. Yeah. You know, some people say, you know, time heals all wounds, you know, you know, sometimes that's a factor. Sometimes it's total bullshit, but it sounds like, you know, kind of what you need is kind of have that outlet, you know, and mountain biking was it for you to really kind of get you past, you know, some of those hard times in your life. Yeah, I totally believe that. It's taken me a long time to get over the divorce because there were so many wonderful things about the marriage and the partnership and being in the same industry together and creating this brand together. It was a really challenging marriage to get out of for both of us, mm -hmm. um, but also very empowering to help other women see that I went through it and I was scared and it was hard and it, you're, it's possible. You You will be okay on your own, but it's time does heal in a way, but more importantly, what you do with that time will heal you. And I had to make a conscious effort to work on my healing. It didn't just happen. I had to listen to podcasts, listen to meditations, learn how to be quiet in my mind. Like I had to learn tools to stop letting my head spin on a merry-go-round of shame, guilt, and regret. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I bet when you, uh, what did you call the circle that you guys do again? Uh, oh, a welcome circle. Welcome circle. Yeah, I bet when you guys do the welcome circle in your classes, you know, and you know, you you know, telling your story and other people, I mean, I bet that just really opens up, you know, the the people that are there to learn from you guys. I mean, I could see how the you know those you know emotional bonds would really tie you together, hearing other people's stories and then hopping in the saddle and going for it. You know. Well, and that's exactly why we do it. You know, I there weren't many opportunities to learn mountain biking, uh, back in the day, like 10 years ago, there was, there was, there were a few. Um, and I, I volunteered at one that was based in Canada. And one of the first things I noticed, and it was no fault of theirs. I just think they were busy getting their, their clinics ready to go. And I noticed women just standing around looking terrified mm -hmm. and I didn't see anyone, really addressing it. I, you just see women kind of standing alone who came alone, just like looking at their feet. And I just, I don't know, I felt that energy. And when I decided to, to run camps of my own, I thought that's the one thing I'm going to be really careful and conscientious of is making sure our coaches are mingling. They're out walking around, looking for women who are standing alone, making sure they feel welcome and just sort of boosting their spirits before the clinics even start. And then that's when we developed the welcome circle because we thought, wow, one of the biggest, I think, hurdles for women 
is getting over being watched by everyone when they're trying new things. You know, yeah. if, if you're the one person in your group who's not getting your wheel lift down, you're not getting your wheel off the ground, you start to feel shame. And But when you've had a welcome circle and you just heard everyone's stories and saw some people cry and, and realize how much bigger mountain biking is than just a sport, I think that kind of takes that vulnerable equation out of it. And then it becomes they start laughing when they fall and people cheer them on when they don't get something. It just becomes this kind of reverse psychology, you know, where if you fall, you're going to get, you're going to be celebrated and you're going to have 10 hands reaching down to pick you up. You know, you're not alone in this. And I think the welcome circle really sets the tone for everyone. Just taking a deep breath, getting their egos out of their way and just enjoying it for what it is. Yeah. So have you ever had any uh, big falls, big injuries? Yes, I fall a lot. I mean, it's just a sport you fall in. I mean, I get, I've gotten a lot better. I used to fall all the time. Um, I will say I've been really lucky and I can't really say it out loud, but nothing terrifying. Yeah. I, um, the bones I've broken in my life, um, are, I've broken my foot bone, my fifth metatarsal twice and once falling down the stairs walking. And the second time was dancing. Um, <laughs> one of my roommates says, uh, Must be a hell of a per- dancer. <laughs> I need a, I need a permit for dancing is now the consensus <laughs> and I need to apply for a permit anytime I want to dance. Cause it gets a little wild. Um, I'd say some of the worst crashes I've had ended in just blood and scars. Uh, and I'm proud of them. I've had some stitches and it's no big deal. And to, to be, to have mountain bike for 25 years and, and I ride hard and I go fast and I like steep and I like technical trails with lots of rocks and roots. And I've been pretty lucky to, to stay okay for the most part, but I'm also a believer that learning how to mountain bike and practicing basic skills in a controlled environment to help really get dialed in with your balance and your understanding of how to be balanced on the bike is what has kept me safe. I know how to mountain bike. I don't just go out there and do it by trial and error. I did at one point and it wasn't that fun. And that's kind of what I preach to people. I know it can be a dangerous sport. I know there's risk, just like there's risk in lots of things. But if you take a lesson and you learn how to do it right and you know what to practice, your chances of falling are going to go down. Yeah. And this, I'm guarantee I know the answer to this question, but have you ever thought twice about getting on the bike after a fall? You know, no, I haven't. I, you know, I guess one of the big crashes I had, this is a great one. Um, I have a great photo of it too. I was just getting, I was just preparing myself to, to tell my husband at the time that I was ready to get divorced. And It was a really hard time and I was I was having nightmares about falling on my face and literally and proverbially I was really scared that this whole thing getting divorced my mountain bike career coaching I was just going to fall flat on my face and lose it all and I was doing a video shoot and they told me to not be afraid to get rad I'm like, whoa, did you just say get rad? Watch this. Yeah. And I just hold my beer. Over... <laughs> yeah, totally. Here, hold my beer. Watch this. I was doing nothing. And I did a little bunny hop and the wind caught me and my wheel landed sideways. And I fell right on my face and skidded across the gravel wow. on my face. There was a lot of blood everywhere. My helmet was broken in three pieces. 
I didn't know if my teeth were in. There's a photo of me sitting on the ground covered, my whole face covered in blood, showing the person behind me my teeth and saying, can you take a picture so I can see if my teeth are still in? Hmm. And he's just like, oh my gosh, you need to get <laughs> to the hospital. And, you know, I've, I've actually posted the photo of my bloody face before and I've posted the photos of uh, my black eye. I had a very impressive black eye afterwards and I was 100% fine. I wasn't hurt. I didn't have a head injury. I didn't have a concussion. I didn't even have a sore neck the next day. Wow. Um, and I don't know, that was just kind of a testament of you can be really afraid of something, but I think fear is worse than actually what could happen. And I fell on my face and it wasn't that bad. And I just, I had to go teach a clinic that next weekend with a black eye. And I told everyone, this is the most technical clinic of the year, Sedona, Arizona, full of rocks yeah. and hesitation equals devastation. And that's just not an option. So yeah, nope, I, I haven't. I've slowed down a bit, I think, and I won't, I'm not going to hit all the biggest drops and do anything that I'm not comfortable with because I am 46 and I don't want to get hurt. So I definitely see myself being more careful in certain situations but getting on the bike is my love and my passion. And I don't, you know, when you do get an accident, so, or you're off the bike for a while, you do have to ask yourself, who am I without this sport? Am I going to be okay if I don't have this sport that fuels passion in me? Um, and the answer is yes. I would have to find something else that I'm passionate about because that's just life. Yeah. You know, you said some of the basic skills, you know, is balance, you know, in, in most sports, you know, I say the fundamentals are, are key, right? You got to have, be good at the fundamentals to be good at the game. You know, what are some of those basic fundamentals of, of mountain biking? Yeah. I mean, balance and body position is really everything and understanding that your balance point starts in your feet, that when you're going uphill or downhill climbing, the weight is in your feet and the upper body can move around over the bike to find balance points. And on a mountain bike, the bike changes angles a lot. When it goes uphill, I have to shift my weight in a way that I'm balanced over my bike while it's going uphill. And that's going to look different than if I'm going downhill. That's going to look different if I'm going up and over obstacles. So when we're teaching, we put people through the fundamentals, first things first at our camps, and we do it on grass so that they're really comfortable falling on grass. And we have them practice moving up and down over the bike, moving the bike underneath them, shifting their weight forward and back, moving the bike side to side, stomping on their feet to make the bike springy, learning how to lift the wheel up and all the different ways there are to lift the wheel up. There's a real broad list of skills. I would say, uh, you know, lifting your front wheel is a skill. Leaning the bike is a skill, but then lifting your front wheel over a rock into a corner, that's a maneuver, yeah. right? So you put all these little skills together that add up to make a maneuver. You know, when I'm going down a technical rock garden, I'm using skills like absorbing, pushing, pushing into my feet, shifting my weight forward and back as the terrain changes. So the fundamentals and the basics are basically get people, getting people comfortable with all the movement that needs to happen in order to find balance on the bike. And we have them practice things over and over again so that they develop that muscle memory and that understanding of how to react. But, 
you know, step one is, is understanding kind of what needs to happen and how the bike responds in certain situations. And step two is practice, practice, practice. So you can, you know, develop that muscle memory and that react those reactions. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, yeah, I'm a complete novice. I've only done a little bit of mountain biking when I was a kid. I mean, it's fun, you know, but I just haven't, I just haven't done it that much. Um, people that are getting into the sport brand new to it, you know, do they need a $6,000 mountain bike? You know, you know, what, what, what's important on a bike for someone who's just getting started? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, no, you don't need a $6,000 mountain bike. A used mountain bike is great. I would say what's important is fit, making sure it fits right. Um, components, meaning shifters, brakes, the things that go on the bike, those aren't quite as important when you're getting into it. I'd say even the lower price point products are still going to be good products. We tend to steer people towards a full suspension bike if they plan to ride any sort of technical trails and technical means rocks or roots or things that are going to knock the bike around. Hardtails, meaning there's no rear suspension, mm -hmm. those are great to learn on if you're riding smooth trails, even if you're riding technical trails, a hardtail is going to help you really understand how to choose lines and how to be smooth and have good technique, but it's also going to be rougher on the body and it's going to, it's going to be less forgiving when you make mistakes because a hardtail with no suspension in the back is going to be really bouncy and can knock your body weight around a lot. So, personally and based on experience with new riders 10 years of watching new riders we do recommend a full suspension bike so fit is really important i think everyone should start and learn in flat pedals they shouldn't be clipped into the pedals because it's just too much to think about getting out while you're learning yeah um but a full suspension bike is going to just help your body be okay it absorbs the bumps more and there's more room for error so i think people are going to progress a little bit faster if they have a full suspension bike it is a little more expensive but you can find great full suspension bikes that are used that are going to get the job done yeah. yeah yeah awesome well you know where should people go Lindsay, to kind of learn more about what you have going on check out your business you know follow follow you on social media where do you mostly hang out online yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm on, it's, we're called Ladies All Ride. Ladies Should All Ride. So Instagram is Ladies All Ride. It also has my name on there, Lindsay Richter. Our website is ladiesallride.com. We have a new website coming out in a couple of weeks we're excited about. Um, Facebook, Ladies All Ride Mountain Bike Skills. And that's about it. We don't comb many social media platforms. We're too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram, Facebook, and a website, people. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where you'll find us. Yeah, that's great. Hey, b b before I let you go, uh, what's the best advice that you've ever received in your life? Ooh, in my life. Or advi the, you know, advice that you would love to pass on to people. Yeah, I would say, you know... Have you ever heard of the book, The Four Agreements? I believe I've heard of it. I haven't, I have not read it, but I, I believe I've heard of it. Yeah. It's such a great book. I would say that actually being given the book, The Four Agreements, and then sort of understanding what that all meant, not taking things personally, always doing your best, being aware of others, um, 
yeah, I think not taking things personally is a huge one because not everyone's out to get you Yeah, <laughs> is a big piece of advice, but also trying your best and only, you know, what your best is. Oh, and don't, I mean, the four agreements are be impeccable with your word, speak with integrity, don't take things personally, don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I just love those four agreements. Yeah. Love it. I'll have to get that book. Yeah, it's great. It's a short, it's a short read, but it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know, a, a Bible per se for, for life lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, anything else that you want to, you want to share or that you want people to know about you? Oh, no, just come learn mountain biking from us. We also, well, we also have another company because we do also teach men and we have male coaches with our business called Grit Clinics. Okay. G-R-I-T, like grit, like grit your teeth and make it happen. And yeah. our grit clinics lessons, we, we run them all over the country for men, women, children, for anyone. And they're, they're more just down to the nitty gritty of what you want to learn on a bike. They're custom built for the rider and there's no sponsors involved, you know, at our, at our ladies all right camps, we have raffle prizes and giveaways and a goodie bag and lunch. Our grit clinics are just, you sign up, you get a coach and we teach you mountain biking. All right. Yeah. Kind of so do it all. Right. Yeah, yeah, we do it all. We do it all. We want <laughs> everybody to love mountain biking. We don't care whatever you identify as, male, female. We want everyone to get involved. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, Lindsay. Well, I can really tell, you know, by the way you talk, you know, that you you do have that genuine passion, you know, for what you're doing and for helping people get over things and through things in their life, you know, through, you know, with mountain biking. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. I think that's well, great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. You know, I, th I'm pretty, think I feel real lucky. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that uh, that that genuine, you know, attitude that you have and real positive nature about you, I think that's going to be a huge factor in what you know any of your continued success. You know, I'm looking forward to following some of your adventures. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for your interest in chatting with me. I'm thrilled. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, we've been talking for a while, so I'm going to let you let you go. Enjoy the rest of your night. And, uh, it was great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. We'll chat again soon. Great. Have a good night. Take care. You too. Bye. I'd like to thank Lindsay for coming on the show, and I'm looking forward to following her upcoming adventures. If you'd like to connect with Lindsay, visit her website at ladiesallride.com and find her on Instagram and Facebook as well. If you love this episode of the podcast, give us a rating and leave a review so we can continue to grow our audience. Like, follow, share, and subscribe to the show and our social media so you don't miss out on the conversation. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.